This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucis. This week's guest is a dynamic performer, brilliant songwriter, engaging speaker, and highly sought-after yeah. coach. She's been wowing audiences around the country with her musical keynotes, which seamlessly blend an empowering message with an equally powerful and soul-shifting songs. Her piano-driven Americana music effectively encompasses jazz, pop, R&B, folk, and even some new age. Her latest album, Look Closer, has just gone into production with a Kickstarter campaign launch to help keep the project on schedule for a June 2016 release. Please welcome Kit Holmes. Good afternoon, good day, good wherever you are listening online. Hello, Astrid, how are you? I am great, and uh, great to have you here. Um, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. It's going to be a great conversation. You are an amazing performer, and you have done so much and really kind of carved out, I think, sort of a niche there that I would love to explore. But before we get into that, I would love to go back into, because you started at a fairly young age, Mm -hmm. um, that little girl with a dream. Did you always know that you wanted to be a performer, songwriter? You know, what was that, those initial, Mommy, when I grow up, I want to be this. (laughs) <laughs> I think the initial was um, just something to do with music. And um, it was, you know, it was just an early thing because my family was musical, is musical. Um, my mom was still teaching piano up until a few years ago. Um, she's 81 now, but she uh, she was teaching piano in late into her late 70s. Um, wow. My dad played by ear. Um, both of my sisters were in choir and so it was, it was just something It was in the house. It was present. And, um, and I look back at that now and I'm so grateful because I, I think it just, uh, it forms all of those things in your brain when you're around it as a kid and it does wonderful things for, for math and for how your brain works and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it was music. And um, and as as I began to pick up instruments along the way, um, there was always a piano in the house, but that was not the first instrument. It was my dad's ukulele that was um, the first thing that I, I sort of swiped <laughs> and said, hey, I want to try that. Um, right. And then moved up, um, and I, I uh, borrowed my sister's guitar when uh, I was probably about six or seven years old. She had one of those ones that came from Sears that came in the cardboard box and um, <laughs> started to pick that up. And um, then it was just a, it was just a gradual progression through school band. And, um, and I, I, I started playing piano around, probably I was around 10. I mean, it, I noodled as a kid, but at 10, I got, I started hearing things that I wanted to sort of flesh out. And, um, uh, from that point, got into uh, musicals in high school and really started playing piano. And um, because both of my sisters sang and because they were older as the older sisters, um, they took, they would take the lead 
vocal and the third, the, the typical third harmony. And um, I found that if I wanted to participate in the singing portion, I had to learn the other harmonies, which was also some great training because I had to find my way around so I was not singing on top of them. Um, <laughs> so, um, but it really wasn't until um, I became a songwriter that it was a, a, you know, a solo performance thing. I was in a lot of bands. Um, all through my 20s and 30s, the bar band scene, all that kind of thing. Um, and it really wasn't until I started to songwrite that I found where I needed to be in music. So that's the wow. short version. Yeah. Wow. Now, do, did you ever uh, talk to your sisters about forming a group and doing something like that with them? Um, we didn't. You know, they, it was... Um, we were we were all very close in age, but we all had very different interests in, in ah. the way we wanted to go with music. And they had both been in band, and then they moved into choir. And for whatever reason, at that age, you know, choir was, you know, it's like ew, that's choir. <laughs> you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a fun thing, and which is really funny now because I love having lots of backup vocals on, um, you know, on doing shows and and, and doing recordings. Uh, but at the time, it, it wasn't my thing, and um, they went off to college and did other things, and I just, I just stuck with it. It was, it was in me. It was me. It is me, and it was just um, some way, shape, or form. I'm going to do music, you know, the rest of my life, is what it came down to. So wow, wow. I, I just find like the whole sibling thing just kind of fascinating because I'm an only child. So like, you know, to have. You know, it really shows that you're three individual people, you know, with mm-hmm. with three yeah. different paths in this life and three different purposes. And it's, it's really cool to see how, you know, things evolve like that. So now did you engage in formal training? Did you go to college for music? What, what does that path look like? Um, I, I went into college right after high school and into a um, – it was, it was called a um, – business and music program at the time, which was at that time was very rare. Um, other than Berkeley and Juilliard and some other things, there weren't specifically. And it, and for some reason it just, that resonated with me, you know, not just going to play, you know, to, to have lessons and stuff like that, but it was, it was going into the business. Um, what I found though was it was, uh, um, I was rather impatient and, um, you know, it was a typical four-year college, and I had to go through, um, you know, English and science and math and all that in college. And I was like, well, when does the music start? <laughs> when do we get to that part? Um, and I, I did have uh, I did one semester of voice lessons and one semester of some jazz piano lessons. And then I dropped out um, because it was, you know, I like I said, I, I just wanted to do music at that point. I was like, I... This, I really want to dive in, um, and that's when I, you know, was the started with the bar bands and every genre on the map kind of thing, um, playing in clubs all over the Midwest and uh, where I grew up, and um, so no real formal training other than that. Um, I was self-taught. My mom never taught us. I think was was wise on her part. I've heard that's a good thing not to do is to teach your own kids. <laughs> unless huh. you know unless you just unless it comes organically but to uh-huh. ha- you know have her as a teacher i think i in in hindsight i think it was it was very wise on her part um to just let us do what we did you know naturally yeah. um and and i'm really grateful for that but um i do have 
a, a really good ear, and I always have. So um, self-taught, you know, it was just as things went along, um, I, I, I learned to read uh, bass class music when I was in high school, when I was in band. Um, but then I taught myself to read piano music just out of sheer necessity of, of mm. um, being able to, to, to get gigs and to do things that, that I wanted to do. Um, and then I started to, you know, learn how to do charts and and write charts and um and then I and I started arranging pretty young. I heard some things that, you know, it's like, well I'm gonna have to figure out how to write it down if I want somebody else to play it. And uh so it was mostly self taught. Um and then I've just been kinda going from there in, in, in regards to the music. Wow. Wow. Now in the regards to self taught were there certain books that you looked at? Because, um, you know, this is maybe before Internet, so you just couldn't, like, look up online, like, Circle of Fists or whatever. But um. <laughs> There was no Internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to, you know, make I you mean, sound old or anything. I was just like... <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm not ancient. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still quite uh, young in my mind. Uh, no, there, there, were, there were books available, and you did, you know, it was. You had to go to the library um, or find a music teacher you know, a those old-fashioned things called a phone book. Um, you know, to look up somebody for a for a reference. But usually, I could find somebody um, at a college, you know, that had a music program, um, or that knew of a teacher, or you know, just people that I was starting to hang out with as musicians. You know, go to the music store where they have, you know, sheet music, and say, how do I how do I do this? Where do I get this? Um, and, um, you know, I, I had gotten some theory um, that first year of college. I had some theory books. And uh, and I still have them. I still use them as a reference every now and then. But wow. now, you, yeah, you can just look it up on the, online and say, hey, you know, I'm playing these notes. What's this chord? Let's take a break and check out some of Kit's music. Here's Return to Love. Dismantling my 
money doing that and were you able no. to okay yeah <laughs> that's going to change uh, across the thresholds of, <laughs> of Not time to yeah. anyone out there from chasing their dream but um, <laughs> um no i mean we there yes i there yes and no um i had to have a day job and had a lot of them and um you know because the hours of working clubs and, and at that time too some of the early bands we would have um um, you know, four and five nights a week, um, we would play in the same place. And we lived an hour, one particular club, we lived an hour away. So every night, you know, five days a week, we'd be, four days a week, we'd driving up there um, and do a four-hour gig. And, you know, we were making some money, and it was enough to, to you know, pay the rent, but it was not, it wasn't living, living real high. <laughs> um, so, you know, so yeah, so day jobs were involved and, and it just became a, uh, you know, finding that balance between being able to, to pay the rent and doing exactly what you loved. Um, yeah. Now, did there come a point for you 
where you were able to quit the day job for a while. I I did actually. I um well in the interim I did go um a few years after I dropped out of college. I did go back to school. I found that there was a program outside of the Twin Cities, uh Minneapolis St. Paul in Red Wing, Minnesota. And it just it one of those things again, it, it just it was like, hmm, this resonates with me. And it was a uh it was they had musical instrument they had three musical instrument programs in this place at the time and one of them was a string instrument program where you actually learn to to be a luthier you know build guitars and that kind of thing um the other one was band instrument repair which was like eh, not so much and then the one that i got into was uh the electronic music technology program which was learning how to repair amplifiers and keyboards and and all that kind of stuff electronic electronic devices and it was just the beginning of you know moving into MIDI stuff um, and 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 learning you know the digital as things were shifting in musical instruments from analog and it's starting to get into digital and um, it was really just an incredible experience it was a, a two-year thing and it was a um, it put me in great contact with a lot of people and um, when I moved from uh, that graduated from that program um, in 1989 centuries ago, uh, ended up in <laughs> Athens, Georgia with my partner at the time and got a job because of that that training, had gotten a job with a compact disc manufacturer and wow. um, and ended up in the um, mastering department. So we got all the master tapes from the record companies and we would set them up to get them um, duplicated in the, in the pressing plant. And so I got to listen to a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of music, um, emerging artists and old artists and classical and world and jazz. And it was just a phenomenal experience and an experience, you know, starting to see it from the business side of, um, you know, really what the record, what the record industry was looking like at the time and um, in compact discs. So it was, uh, it was, it was a neat experience. It was um getting to see technology change really, really, really quickly and uh, and kind of being at the front of it at the time and then, <laughs> then like everybody else, just getting kind of knocked over in a tsunami of, oh, my gosh, look at what's possible. We'll be right back. Never has there been a better time for women to hack success. The shift is on and the breakthroughs are real. We're taking success to a whole nother level. Join us at the Women's Success Summit, a gathering of dynamic, smart women helping women. We want to learn about you and what you have to offer. Bring your A-game and be prepared to transact some business. Oh, and by all means, dress to impress. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back on the record. I want to touch on a little bit. You mentioned being in resonance with something, and you know that's that's basically a level of just having self awareness and yeah. being aware of perhaps you know an endpoint or a vision. Have you ever created a vision for your life, like you know, on a conscious level, or has it always been something that is you just kind of start moving in directions and follow this path without like a clear outcome in mind um yes and yes 
the first part was uh, really having an awareness to follow what you know feels like intuition or feels like a nudge or or a direction to go. Um, in hindsight, I look at that and say absolutely those were you know all these steps, even though I couldn't see it, were leading me to something great, something phenomenal, and 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 finding a really balanced place to live and then the second yes to that question is that the work that i do now as a as a coach um as a life coach a life what's called a life mastery consultant that i'm certified in is creating it from the vision meaning you work backwards from what you know you would love and so what that process is is you you ask that question um, you know, wave wave the magic wand, and a lot of you know our our, our conditioning will tell us that uh, that's pie in the sky thinking, and you, you know it's silly. You got to you got to be real. You got to you know live in reality. But the truth is, you know, we're built for a purpose. We are we are here on this planet for everybody's got a purpose, and we can discover that, and we discover that through those places that we that we get that excitement and we get juiced about something and. For me, that's music, and it is also doing um, this this work in in what's you know transformational coaching, um, reminding people what it is that they love and are here to do in life, um, what they're passionate about, and when you put the two of those together, then yes, you can come from the vision, you can create that life, and um, which is which is where I am now is doing what I love to do and also being a really, really um, helping other people transform their lives and, and just, you know, do good on the planet. You had mentioned that you come from this sort of a very positive place, right? And I'm just like picking it up as I'm talking with you. Um, when things kind of don't go your way or not as planned, which is very common in this industry, um, how do you handle that? Because I know, like, for me, sometimes not so well do I handle that. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious sure. as to other people's techniques as to, you know, a big obstacle comes up and it looks like, you know, you talk about kind of checking in with intuition. Well, is this a sign that I shouldn't be doing this? Or is this a sign that I need to move around this or I need to move through this? And so how do you handle that and what is the technique that you maybe use to decipher what it's telling you and then act on it? Well, first of all, um, Astrid, that's a great insight to to even, you know, that you're asking yourself those questions um, is is reflective that you have a lot of self-awareness as well. And and that's the first key is – is being in the practice of, you know, noticing what you're noticing. Where are your thoughts going? Um, are you on autopilot or, or are you really conscious of, of what you're thinking? And the being positive, um, it, it, can, um, it, it can be kind of misleading to say, oh, well, you know, I'm just very positive about life. And while I am, what it is is it's a practice of learning to see um, obstacles or the or the appearance the appearance of an obstacle as an appearance it's information um, everything that we encounter day in and day out is is information and it's how we define it 
it's our attitude towards it. You know, we, we, in our human conditioning, we, you know, we call things good and bad and big and small and, um, and all of those things. And our experiences of those, like, you know, things that have, that happened to us in our childhood or, or experiences that we had in the way we were raised or conditioning, all of those are conditions that eventually become what we believe. And then those beliefs just get so ingrained that we, that's, that's our operating system for lack of a better term. And so we go through mostly unconsciously saying, you know, when I look at this and this happens to me, this is bad. Or I look at this and I say, this is good. And so we call that condition based living. And when we're condition based living, our, happiness or our attitude is based on everything external we go well you know hey this is you know this is this is the amount of money i got in my bank account right now therefore um, i can't do anything else and that's condition-based living when you come from the creative side of it um, working with the creative force in the universe as it were and say hey this i live in a world of infinite possibility so this is just information, and if I take away the, the power, you know, the juice out of it, and the juice is the emotion, if I don't judge it and I simply look at it and say, hmm, I want to get curious about this. So this situation has happened. What can I do with it? With what I have right now, it doesn't require me to judge it. It doesn't require me to do anything else except to look at it and say, hmm, what can I learn from this? And so the positivity comes from the fact that you're removing Basically, you're removing the drama, if that makes mm. sense. And, and mm-hmm. you look at it, you just simply get curious and you say, if I'm creating my reality, and I, and I am, my, my thoughts and my beliefs are what are creating, are, is, is out picturing in my life. So I have to get real, real honest about what I believe. And that's where the self-awareness comes in. And so for me is... Uh, and, and this is a practice, this is a constant practice, and I'm doing it right now as, as I'm doing my own taking quantum leaps um, mm-hmm. in my life, is, wow, look at, look at these old beliefs that are coming up that are trying to distract me, that are trying to dissuade me from doing this thing that I'm calling my dream. They're trying to take me down, basically. And it's my job to look at the thought, look at the information, and, and turn it around and say, okay, that's how, yep, that operating system used to work really well for me. It, it protected me. It motivated me, you know, fill in the blank. It, it gave me some reason to get up in the morning, good or bad. It got me up in the morning. And so now I choose that thought, that next thought to say, no, you know what, that does not serve me anymore. Um, it doesn't serve me anymore to play small. It doesn't serve me to shrink it doesn't serve the world for me to shrink and say, oh, you know, it's, it, it's okay. Everything's just okay the way it is when you know there's something greater calling you. So it's a, it's a yin-yang thing with, with the energy of the universe that being positive is yes. You, when you see that there is a benefit, you see there's a lesson and you see there's some good in everything in your experience, then it really does change how you experience life. Mhm. Yeah, you're creating new neural pathways. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Let's check out a song called Blue Guitar by Kit Holmes.
You're really good at saying how you love me. Here I'll try to do the same. I'll keep it simple, though that's really not like me. Brief is not my middle name. I just wanna write a simple little love song on my blue guitar. I just wanna write a love song through you on my I love your laugh and your head upon my shoulder feels like such a good fit. And holding hands, well, there's really nothing finer, baby, this is it. I just want to write a simple little love song on my blue guitar. I just want to write a love song for you on my blue gives me wings Even though you're everything I ask for and more I just want to strum it Strum it on my Where should I start? Um, <laughs> well, what what I do know from from my experience is that my first uh, first three CDs that I did were um, self produced in in home studio, um, me playing all the instruments and and recording and editing and do it myself. Um, and I will say that 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 
paradigm, there were two, there was twofold. One was, you know, I have, number one was, first of all, I have all this cool technology. Of course I can do this. And, and it was like an experiment and say, wow, isn't it, you know, here's my drum tracks and here's this, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I did it myself and I'm like, wow, I did it myself. But yeah. as a, as a, you know, releasing a CD as it were, I, you know, I didn't have a release party. I didn't do anything. I didn't, there was no, you know, there wasn't Kickstarter. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like, okay, I put this out and when I go play a show, I'll have it at my table. Um, and, what I learned from that was even though it was a great learning experience and I'm really grateful for it was I couldn't get any distance from it. So creatively, uh-huh. you know, I was wearing all the hats at the same time, but the other side of that paradigm was I had total control and I did not have to be vulnerable to anybody telling me that, um, you know, you're not doing it right and you're not doing this and boy, that doesn't sound quite right. Or, you know, I was I was putting everything on my plate and saying, you know, I'm I'm going to use my perfectionist hat here to make this thing um, the the way I want to. And on the one hand, that's great to have that level of creative control. And there's the other level when when you go back and review some of that stuff and say, you know, I wish I'd let go a little more. But for me at the time, letting go was um, allowing someone to come in and, you know play tracks and say, wow, maybe somebody doesn't want to come and play with me. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that will come up in, in, in the awareness and trusting that people do want to play with you and people do want to join in and be a part of the creative process. So I've, I've learned to let go of that. Um, the CD that, you, that I sent you tracks off, the last one, which is Return to Love, um, was turning that over. And allowing that, you know, the, the, the real studio experience with, um, with lots of musicians and, and other people and, uh, you know, letting, letting somebody else be the engineer. It was, you know, it was, I was so ready to let that part of it go just so uh-huh. I could be creative and have fun, you know. And that was the thing, too. It's like, I just want, that's too much work. <laughs> you know, I don't want to yeah. do all this yeah. stuff anymore. <laughs> Um, and so this time around, what it is for me is really going full bore to um, really stepping up my game. And that's part of that living from the dream place for me is not playing small anymore. This is music that, that um, has been five years in the making, the CD, in terms of everything that I've written. And a lot of it I've played out um, to a lot of places and watched um, the reaction and, and the things that resonate with people in, in what I'm saying in the music. And so for me, this is the, okay, this is where I let go and, and let that bigger life force, creative force, um, put this all together. And, and I'm just going to be the, the vehicle of, of, through which it comes and, and do the creative expression and share this and, and call on um, – really, really, really good engineers in a really, really good studio and some amazing, super, super high-end um, session musicians that I've never met. But trusting mm. that, you know, I'm putting, I'm putting this process. There are people in that, that their gift in life and their purpose in life is to do, is to be really great producers and really great session musicians and 
really great studio owners and good people with 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 vision, and that's really important. They all have vision, um, you know. It's and and I was very careful, you know, who I chose and who I asked to to do this um, based on that. They have to have a vision and they have to have a collective vision that number one, it's all about the music and it's about the message. Um, it's not about ego and it's not about, you know, uh, I can play the most badass, you know, um, <laughs> glockenspiel solo or something, you know. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's all about, for me, you know, because the songs are, the songs are what and who I am. And so I'm very, you know, I'm very protective and I'm also, um, very conscious that they need they need the the biggest um, best showcase they can get. Are you using an outside producer this time? I am. Yep. Yeah. Now, how's that experience been for you? Um, this one in particular has been phenomenal. Um, the um, the guy that I'm working with came highly recommended from another musician that I respect deeply, and and it was her recommendation of having worked with him that she said. Um, this is your guy, talk to him. And, um, and she was absolutely right. And again, I'll go back to that um, going by intuition and feel of, you know, being open to the idea that there's going to be, that there is not going to be, that there is the right and perfect people that are, that are lining up, that are waiting to line up to, to, um, you know, same thing, do good in the world and, and, you know, we find each other. And that's exactly how this happened. It was, it was, uh, taking that action and trusting my gut and moving forward. And it turned out as it does when we trust our gut and take action, (laughs) it turns out really well. We'll be right back. Never has there been a better time for women to hack success. The shift is on and the breakthroughs are real. We're taking success to a whole nother level. Join us at the Women's Success Summit, a gathering of dynamic, smart women helping women. We want to learn about you and what you have to offer. Bring your A-game and be prepared to transact some business. Oh, and by all means, dress to impress. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back on the record. Talk a little bit about your um, the keynote musical keynotes that you do because I, I I'm talking with a few people and that seems to be kind of sort of a new trend if you want to not necessarily be a bar performer and you want to do something different and hit a different market and really expand because it, it seems like the bar market is is a dying market because it, mm-hmm. it's it's more about let's just go and get drunk and maybe get laid and right. it's 21 right. and up and it's people aren't there to really consume music. They're there to consume alcohol and one another. Right. You know? so. yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Well, so how did well, that come about? It really comes down to, to what is your, you know, what is your goal? What is, what do you want to, what do you want to say? What are you here to say? What's your purpose? And for me, it was um, through, through my years of being in the bar band scene and that kind of thing. And, um, and also um, having come out as gay when I was uh, 21 and at the time was still not a very um, easy thing to do. 
you know, I there there was I had to be closeted for fear of losing day jobs, and I also had to be closeted for fear of some of the places that the bands that I was in played. And um, you know, really, what came about was a led to a lot of you know when you bury all of that for a very long time, all the emotions and everything, it becomes self-destructive. And mm. um, and I was uh, seriously depressed. And um, the path that got me to where I am doing these musical keynotes and so forth was leading back to a, a spiritual practice. And a spiritual, not religious by any sense of this, you know, any stretch of the imagination, but learning that there were other ways to think about how the universe was created and, and the life force energy and whatever you might want to call it. Um, and it was it was a natural progression. I didn't see it at the time, but it was um, my songwriting when I started seriously songwriting was uh, was my therapy. And mm-hmm. what I was writing about was, you know, I guess you you would call it the positive aspects of music of saying, you know, here's here is where I was in this dark place, and yet I was able to do X, Y, and Z, and and you know, it's really a great way to go. Or it's you know it works for me. It works to see that um, you know my my perception and my attitude now is that we live in a in a very friendly universe, and despite appearances, um, that that energetic life force is always in our favor. And so the natural progression was I was writing songs, and then I started doing some songwriting workshops, and I started really digging into the craft of songwriting, and I started to find my voice, and my voice was one of um, this is transformative work, and everybody goes through it. We all need to grow. We all need to learn ways to um, to kind of undo our childhoods or not, or or <laughs> you know things that you know all the stuff that we bring with us, all the conditioning that I talked about earlier. So uh-huh. what I found myself doing was uh, that spiritual practice led me to um, what is a what's an umbrella called New Thought. It's um, quantum physics, um, metaphysics, and and the energy, you know, using the energy of the life force um, that led me into lots of spiritual practices that um, are are so grounding and very healing, and my music just started to head in that direction. It was not intentional by any stretch of the imagination. It just was like, here's where I landed. Uh, This is what I was thinking about, and then I started to find myself in um, places like Unity Churches and Centers for Spiritual Living, and from there started doing playing music at conferences and at retreats, um, and just making connections along that way. And uh, began now doing speaking, where I'm doing what it would you know are being called musical keynotes, where you weave the music in through a message of um, transformation. So the bottom line being that. You know, you you, ha- you have to come at it from a place that resonates with you of healing and transformation and something positive, and you want to be a, a greater presence in the world, um, and then the rest follows. It's it's really about you know you you can't jump into it saying oh, I'm going to do musical keynotes and and <laughs> without have, you know and just dive in and say okay here's I'm just going to start singing about you know crying in my beer and stuff like that (laughs) it has to kind of it has to kind of mesh you know what I'm saying (laughs) yeah yeah so did you put together 
like some sort of program and like how do you go about marketing and and booking something like that? I mean, now I'm sure it's you know you've got a little network going, but in the beginning, I mean, was there like a did you do like a traditional press kit or did you do a more specific like this is a program that I do a musical program and then how did you go about finding bookings and marketing and stuff like that? Um, it, it really evolved from uh, I just started playing music first, and um, in in those places, and so I started I started making contacts and I started a network there, and then as um, I began to somebody said, hey, you know, do you want to do you want to speak and present? And it was like, oh my God, no, that terrifies me. Um, <laughs> to you know, to realizing that it it, it can it, it just you know it flows together when it, especially when it you know if it's coming from your heart, um, it absolutely just flows. And so now I you know there are um, I still have a network um, that's that is ever expanding and um, where you know I've been to a lot of places, especially around. Um, Central Texas and and some other places where you know I I go back at least once a year when I can and then um, started going you know you you do the, like you do in any other business you start networking at at conferences and retreats um, and making contact that way and you just keep showing up <laughs> and everybody you know everybody says that it's like uh, it's like no no matter what you do uh, in any part of the music business whether it's in in the spiritual realm or in rock and roll or whatever you're doing it, you show up and you show up in being in service to the music and being in service to your message. And, and when you show up that way, um, it, it's a natural attractor um, to having those people call you and say, Hey, you know, we, we heard you got something to say. We want to, we want to see what you have to say. And um, so now, yeah, I mean, there's bigger stuff that I'm doing now with, with website and, and press kits. But generally, um, it's once you start making those contacts to, to, build, that, uh, to build those relationships. Because it, it's, it's like, any, like I said, anything else, it's, it's all about the relationships. And um, showing up, doing your thing, being professional, um, not being a jerk. I was going to say something else, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, but be, being professional, um, showing up on time, being helpful, you know, not cussing out the sound guy, um, you know, thanking everybody for everything, um, you know, golden rule, golden rule all the way. Yeah. I'm curious, do you consider yourself uh, extroverted or introverted? Um, introverted. What's some techniques to break out of your shell to go and and become that networker? Because you know if, if you're not making those relationships, you're not going to be working. Um, well, I I will say I'm I, I'm much better about it now. Um, I I am. It comes from that level of self awareness and also you know building your confidence and knowing that you have something to say, trusting that you have something to say. And um, letting go of the idea that that you're going to please everybody is is a it's a, it's a big step in being able to show up in a room and network and know you know mm-hmm. you're you're going to naturally attract those people who resonate with something that you have to offer and the rest of them it's cool you just you, you say hey great wish you well nice to meet you and go do your thing you know. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that comes with age too, you know, uh, especially for women, you know, there seems to be the more of this confidence that occurs, you know, once you start hitting, you know, I'm going to say like mid thirties, late thirties, um, that just kind of, you just kind of like, you kind of get in this, like, you know what? I just, I don't care what people think anymore. I've spent my whole life carrying and it's, it's a big thing to carry around and I'm done with it. You know, it it is, it is. And and just for fun, I I will share with your readers and I'm not embarrassed to say this. I am, I am 53. I will be 54 in May as of this recording. So, um, and and I'm okay saying that because I think it's a, a, it's, it's such a good age um, enough, enough wisdom and experience, and also knowing that um, I, I got a lot of years left to to really have fun. Um, yeah, and that's my, that's my intention. I was like, okay, I've done all this like slogging, <laughs> slogging <laughs> work, self awareness and growth, and and all those things, and and now it's you know I want to have fun. I want to have fun, and I yeah am. I am <laughs> yeah. Talk a little bit about ageism in the music industry, you know, because especially for women, it seems to be more of a factor. And, you know, I I would love to see people like you and me and and other older women. um, Bonnie Raitt, I mean, you know, I just saw her on one of those late night shows the other night. and She was rocking, totally rocking. And she's got to be at least in her early, you know, late 50s, early 60s now. Yeah. And. You know, I think it's I think it's the men in the suits that put the ageism there in the first place because I think people in general don't care how old you are, what you look like. It's does the music move me and does it you know do something right. for me? You know, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. So another it's another one of those twofold things where it it's it is clear, it is obvious, and it's you know it's it's not just ageism; it's also sexism. Um, and, mm-hmm. and lots of other isms that go along with with the industry. Um, yeah. And and what I have what I have chosen to look at. And and don't get me wrong, I've, I've had many a moments, um, especially at this age when when I wake up and go, you know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I go, like it's it's not happening today. Um, you know. But but I, I remind myself that. If if I'm living a life from from a life of choice, choosing how, choosing what my experience is going to be, then I move I move from that and I say you know that is that's the collective mindset that this is, uh, you know mm. it's tough and that doesn't make it go away, but mm-hmm. the way I handle it is a whole lot easier. I don't get stressed out because I, it puts me back into that place of saying you know what I have. I have something to offer. I think what I have to offer is is powerful. Um, I think it helps a lot, of, and, and not think. I know that it has already helped a lot of people, and probably lots, many, many more that I don't even know about. And so, my waking up in the morning, and you know, when somebody emails me or says, "Hey, you know," uh, for example, I do have someone that has been using. Um, the song, and I think I sent it to you, was um, Hold You in the Light, um, mm-hmm. has been using it with her, her senior class for the last five years. Oh, wow. And just, just like last year said, you know, every year at graduation, I play this CD, and, and I said to her, I finally said to her, and she asked me this year, she goes, because she's retiring, and she said, would you want to come and play it live this year? And I said, you bet. You bet I would. Awesome. What yeah. an honor. You know, and that's the kind of thing that says, it doesn't matter 
how old I am, it doesn't matter what. I know that it has made a difference. It has made yeah. a difference in people's lives. And and how far, you know, these are these are high school seniors going out into the world taking that message with them and it's like I'm I'm really good with that. Because yeah. that song, the message about that song is you have everything within you. The power is within you to to change your life, to live a life that you love living and and being a really good presence in the world. So, you know, that right there is um, you know, that's that's money in the bank for me. And and you know, that if I died tomorrow, I'd say, yeah, I, I, I did what I was here to do. Um, wow. So, you know, that it's, it's moving from that place that, that keeps me from getting hung up and caught up in saying, you know, I'm too old, I'm a woman, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And I think, no, that's, it, it, screw that. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that I can still, you know, as long as I can still be out there, making a difference and touching people in some way, um, the rest of it is falling into place. Um, that's yeah, and and I have the choice of, of coming from a a vision driven life that, you know, I, I got big dreams on the plate. And um the big dreams on the plate if they're not uh, if they're not shaking you up a little bit and, and scaring the hell out of you, you're probably not dreaming big enough. So um, you have to move out of your complacency to, <laughs> to get to the good stuff. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I've just been, yeah. <laughs> I've been, we speak, I've been we speak from experience. With, <laughs> I have been wrestling with some stuff the last, the last several weeks, so yeah. Let's take a listen to Hold You in the Light by Kit Holmes. In your eyes, the questions of the ages, there are challenges and changes in everything you see. It's hard to trust, and sometimes the best of us can lose our way. That's why I'm here to gonna hold you in the light, hold you in the light, hold you till you know again that everything's alright, and I'll remind you, as you are, you are enough, gonna hold you in the light. In the answers, choose your second chances. This is where you're meant to be. Don't second guess. Life will give you all the happiness that you deserve. Rest assured, I'm gonna hold you in the light. Hold you. Everything's alright and I 
awesome and and usually I, I i have people say some words of wisdom towards the end but i don't know if you can top that do you think you can top that <laughs> <laughs> my words of wisdom at the end you know what whatever your dream is it is absolutely achievable and it will make you uncomfortable to go for it but go for it anyway because it is so worth it it is so worth it that's what i gotta say be who you are Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week. 